0: Welcome to Movie Go Round, a film discussion podcast that rotates between different themes every single week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Netflix Roulette. <music> Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me on this fine evening, Nicole Davis, how are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. Um, I was the only one who had seen our movie beforehand, and I had forgotten a lot of things about it. And that'll be interesting to talk about. And uh, yes, yeah, so all good.
0: Yeah, you know, there's so many ways Netflix Roulette can go, and I think this was yes. pretty good. <laughs> all things considered, it's not Sharknado.
1: Considered, yes, this went very well.
0: <laughs> yes, David Luzader, how are you? I'm good. I'm very
2: excited to talk about the Simpsons episode of Homer versus Selma and Patty. I think it's weird we're specifically discussing the subplot in which Bart takes ballet. Um, (laughs) But, you know, what are you going to do? I I don't know how we're going to get an hour out of 10 minutes of Simpsons, but I'm here for it. (laughs) You know, I feel like... that is the subplot of a 1995 episode of The Simpsons. Five years before this movie came out,
0: <laughs> I feel like the launch of Disney Plus is really going to help you out on this show because people will slowly watch The Simpsons again and like get the references more. Uh,
2: that, that's that's no okay. That's such a like deep cut. Like that's for the people who really love Simpsons and already know.
1: I knew exactly what episode you were talking about. Well, thank you. <laughs> so. Thank you.
0: Well, we watched Billy Elliot. came out in 2000. But a, a couple housekeeping things before we talk about Billy Elliot. First of all, if you're unfamiliar with the program, welcome. Uh, we do Netflix roulette every five weeks. It's one of the rotating themes. And that means that we spin a wheel and the Netflix gods tell us what we are going to be watching. It could be Sharknado. It could be something really weird. It could be Billy Elliot, a relatively acclaimed film (laughs) drama. This was unexpected for the Netflix roulette, but not unheard of. We did get not Gangs of New York through this. Goodfellas. We got Goodfellas through this. Gangs of New York would be good. Is that on Netflix? Who knows? But we got some good movies through this, and this is the one we got this time around the horn. But next week is another Future Classics that is one of our hosts picking a film that has come out in the last decade. So at this point in recording, we're doing 2009 and onward, that they believe in some capacity will be looked at as a future classic of cinema. We sometimes put some sort of qualifier on that. I know I've brought like, cult classics and that sort of thing to the table, but it's always fun to dig into these movies that we think are really going to hold up particularly well over time. David, it is your opportunity. What are we going to be watching?
2: Right, I wanted to pick something really recent because I don't think we've done anything that's been super recent. Part of that is for like availability reasons, uh, but this time I'm going to make you guys just suffer on that and, and <laughs> figure it out. Pay, pay what money you will have to because I think it is worth it. I think we've already all seen the film. Um, I consider doing a movie that has a third part that is coming out this year, but I kind of think that'd be more fun to talk about once it's completed and we can talk about all three of them. Uh, so instead, I'm doing a very recent movie, still apparently in some theaters somewhere in places like Los Angeles. The late 2018
0: film, Spider-Man: Into the Spider-Verse. Oh yes. Okay. Oh, for a se- for a second, I thought you were John Wick and us, but apparently, it's oh, not- that's
2: what I'm saying. That's like I, I think that'll be time. more fun
0: to discuss one day when the third one is out and we can just talk about that whole thing. Oh my gosh. I, I'd be so in for both those picks. I cannot wait to revisit this. Oh my gosh. I can't wait. I love into the spider verse. So that's what we're going to be watching next week. And you know how we feel about it probably already. It's a future classic this week though. Billy Elliot came out in 2000, a boy in a Northern English mining town learns to express himself through dance under the pressure of a minor strike and a very limited local definition of masculinity. This is a film, again, very left field, I think, for Netflix roulette. This is a two-hour drama, straight up. uh, And it shocked me because I was fully expecting to be very bored by this movie. (laughs) There was nothing in the synopsis that caught my attention in any way, shape, or form. And I was pleasantly surprised. It was a delightful movie. I really like movies like this. Another one similar comes to mind is
2: King's Speech. Which, mm, okay. uh, drama films that don't have a lot of action, but something is always like the story moves at a really good pace. You never really feel bored by it. Um, it's it just, it's just nice to see a, a movie where I'm like, I, I, you know, the, the most action that happens is you sometimes see Billy dancing, but it's a lot of talking about Billy dancing. And yet the whole
0: time I am engaged yeah. And Nicole, you had previously seen this. So what did you remember from it? Did you enjoy it the first time around? Did you see it when it came out? Tell us about that.
1: I I did. I remembered that it was less mawkish than it sounds when you talk about an Oscar nominated movie about a young boy who... Learns to express himself through dance, and you know, his mom has died, and he's got a dad he can't relate to, and an older brother who's a, really almost a complete dick. Um, but, um, you know, you think it's gonna be sappy, but this film works really hard to avoid that sort of sort of gloopy sentimentality it's got some real genuine feeling in it
2: oh it does i almost cried twice like Aww. right right on the edge like maybe a tear came out on the second time
0: it got me <laughs> yeah the ending of this movie got me it was really it, an emotional ending I was, not, was a, a I was not i was not
2: prepared for that I'll just say with the, the two moments that got me, one is when the, the dad is getting ready to go back to work and the older brother won't let him, but the dad is like so determined because he's like, he's now seen what Billy can do and wants to support it. And this is the only way he can think to do how, and it's just to see like how shit he thinks his life is. And he wants to give his son a better life And it's just, it's, it's so heartbreaking. And then also uh, when Billy's on the bus at the end and the brother uh, set says, I'm going to miss you, you just see it through the glass. And that's like their one moment. I mean, they had a couple, they have a couple little moments of connection through the movie, but that's like the,
0: the brother who's been a dick being suddenly emotionally vulnerable. And it got me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, what really blew my mind about this movie was uh just how emotional I could be over this kid dancing because it came off as such a cliche to me when I first read the synopsis it you know the, the the i it's as you said david it's or as Nicole said, it's the you know, oh, I don't get along with my dad and my mom is dead, and my dad doesn't know how to mm-hmm. cope with my mom being dead, so he's not really a very nice guy, and all these things add up to this generic toxic masculinity i've seen in movies time and time again Uh, i mentioned to you guys in our pre-show that this is our toxic masculinity double feature this and last week's with school days and this movie doesn't it navigates that trope really well it doesn't feel tropey while watching the movie which is surprising to me It does because it's not a dismantling of toxic masculinity or
2: using it as a joke or anything like that. It is using it. It is using it to discuss family and the things that we do and we want for our family. And it's not like, well, at the end, you know, I mean, like the dad comes around, but not because the dad learned a lesson. It's because he like really connected with his son.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So let's delve into some of our discussion topics. I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between Billy and his friend Michael. Now, Michael is Billy's best friend growing up. We see Michael throughout the film. And I, I find them very interesting characters because everybody is so on Billy about his dancing. And the, no one wants anything to do with it. Uh, when they find out. It makes him gay. That's a really. In the, right, right, and also that, right? The homophobia of, oh my Only God. for
1: girls and poofs, according exactly, to everybody poofs. in this town.
0: Right, and even beyond that, I think it's just everyone is so laser-focused on Billy in that regard because he is this dancer and because people have caught him doing this, God forbid, and they're so focused on him for that, and he he's not a gay character, and what he's doing is not gay, um, but everyone thinks that both of those are the case, and... What actually is the case is his his quieter friend Michael is gay. And I think Billy is the only one who can understand him because A Billy is Billy is open enough to that whereas this entire town is closed off in so many old-timey conservative ways, but also on top of that, Billy is the only character that I think understands that like oh my gosh, being gay is not an issue. They're all calling me gay and who cares?
2: I mean, of the of the of the small little percentage of people we see, yeah, um, I, I, we don't get too much of a sense of much. But yeah, I mean, he and obviously it's nineteen. The movie takes place like mid eighties, Right. so uh, it would yeah, it's definitely not a time that you would go around announcing loudly like, "Hey, I'm I'm gay" in a small little conservative town, uh, for sure. I, but I really do enjoy how it's handled overall yes um we never have the moment where that where his dad finds out and then oh no son of mine is going to be gay it's just like you know he's gay and you know he he has a his moment of coming out to billy is uh thinking that billy might also be and then billy's like well i'm not but it's okay like i'm not going to now punch you and run away which is like what i think a lesser movie would have done
0: yeah Oh, it's a really but, cute scene. He just gives him a little kiss on the cheek, and it's it could be it could be perceived either way, right? Like, I well, love you as a friend, but also uh, are you pretty, gay?
1: <laughs> it's it's pretty clear that Michael is gay, but yeah, it's, no,
0: I know that, yeah.
1: But when Billy says goodbye, it's just a it's just a sweet gesture on his part to give yeah. his friend a kiss on the cheek.
2: Yeah, no, it is. And it's, it's, you were vulnerable to me. And now I am repaying that vulnerability back at
0: you. Right. Which, which later comes full circle toward in the last scene of the movie, which we'll spend a little bit talking about later on. And I want the other relationship I want to talk about not just Billy and Michael, but also Billy and Sandra. Sandra is a woman who teaches the, uh, the ballet class, like the YMCA level, you know, community ballet class at the what was it the wrestling club or it's the, no, it's, the, the it's
1: the social, social club. club it's the minor social club
0: okay all right so the minor social club and she's teaching it's like
1: the elks hall basically okay
0: uh and she's teaching the young girls of the town ballet in there and um and you you totally have like this classic story arc at the beginning of the movie where Sandra's pushing him to show up to these practices and he's sneaking these practices. But then it gets even more interesting where she is essentially coaching him secretly. uh, So his father does not know that he's still continuing to dance because his father does not want him anywhere near dancing. And I find their relationship so interesting because he's really mean to her at times. And all she does is believe in him and try to help him. And then at the end, they have a very interesting goodbye. Okay, but she's
1: it's not you know, you the the way you're describing it almost makes it sound like she's sort of like this sweet uh you know pink and plushy kindergarten teacher sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know, supportive and right. That's a good th- point. This woman is tough. She you know, is, she has yeah. grown up in this mining town, she's clearly had dreams of her own and this is as far as she got and she's made her peace with that. And she's going to do her best to teach the other kids of this town. And, you know, she is, she realizes that Billy's got a lot of anger and for good reason, you know, his Mm -hmm. mother is gone. His older brother and his dad are both minors on strike. Um, there was this very long strike in the mid '80s, um, having to do with Margaret Thatcher and the British coal mines, and they were trying to get you know better wages, better conditions. Um, and it went on for a long time. And you know, anybody who's ever been on strike for a long time knows that things get lean, and they you know have to resort to breaking up the piano for heat.
0: fireplace that was was sad
1: you know his mother's piano clearly um yeah yep and so you know but the mrs i think it's mrs wilkinson Mm -hmm. um yep sandra wilkinson she understands all this because she's lived here you know probably all her life and she understands why he's angry and she forgives it you know she's got a daughter his age She she clearly understands kids and their nature without being condescending to them. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, she plays this so wonderfully. This is Julie Walters um, in this part. And she's I'm if I remember rightly, I think she was nominated for an Academy Award. for She was correct. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's so good. She's so good. And then, you know, several years later, you get to see her being all plush and kindergarten tea tree and sweet <laughs> as Mrs. Weasley.
0: I I didn't even make that connection until you put <laughs> I that. I didn't realize that was her either. Yeah. I really, I,
2: I I think to what Nicole's saying, like, she is not emotionless, but everybody in this town has keeps a certain distance between one another because it's a small little English right. country town. You, you know, you, you're, you don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Uh, the whole thing of, you know, I'm going to miss you. No, you won't is, is kind of true. It's just her being realistic of like, you're going to go off to a city where you're going to have amazing opportunities, wonderful teachers, uh, just things that, you know, no one else in this town gets. And, Yes, you will, you know, be sad that you're not near your family, but you're not going to miss this place, realistically. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. They, they did have some moments of of real strong connection, but there was also always a level of pupil and student to them. I like that it never got too much. I mean, yes, you needed
0: a strong motherly figure, but it was never right. like
2: you're my new mom you're now. Pushing.
0: Yeah, I don't want to make yeah. her sound too plush, right? Because I think I mentioned in our chat that she was kind of giving me like JK Simmons and Whiplash vibes. Not nearly as mean. Not nearly as mean. Yeah, you, but uh yeah, you <laughs> that, was, really that, that would be interesting. But yeah, she she's an interesting character to me at the very end because when he does go off and for those we should really lay a bit of groundwork here for those who don't watch the movie, uh she trains him to go off to the Royal Ballet School and He goes and auditions and his dad finally gets behind him and he gets in and he comes to say goodbye to her and she's currently teaching her class and it's a really cold scene. You know, as David said, he he just says, I'll, I'll miss you. And she says, no, you won't. And to me, it almost came off as you're leaving this town. I know you're talented enough to never come back and I'm emotionally distancing myself from you. Rather than the other way around, like she doesn't want to be get hurt by him leaving, Mm -hmm. Um, and maybe part of that is because she's lived in this town so long that that she knows that you know people leave or they just stay forever and things get worse. Right, this is a woman who her husband cheats on her, and and her daughter says she's unfulfilled, and I and I think that she's unfulfilled in many ways, and uh, and I think just this kid that she's mentored for seems like a very long time throughout the movie. Uh, I think she's removing herself from the emotion of him leaving.
1: I think it's partly that. I think she's also sort of, you know, you know, I think there's a couple things going on. I think one, you know, Billy has grown accustomed to people not being mushy with him. Mm-hmm. emotionally speaking or at least you know the the sort of parental and family figures in his life not being super demonstrative and he might not know what to do with that um right and another thing is she's probably not all that demonstrative anyway herself not. even with her own kid um she's you know she is a ruthlessly practical sort of person um and I think she might also be, in a way, giving a gift to Billy in that she's sending him off. She's trying to send him off without any attachments gonna, and without I was any
2: regrets. Going to say she's allowing him to leave.
1: Yeah, she's making it easier for him to leave.
2: Yeah, and not not to say that. Also, I, I mean, they they will miss each other, but it's like it wasn't the defining moment in either of their lives, right? It was it was a a time they shared together. And then they're sad that they're probably sad in their own way that it's over, but then it's kind of just over.
1: Well, I I think it's still going to be a, a defining moment in Billy's life. Well, certainly. yes, ab-
2: absolutely. Absolutely. But it's, it's something that was, I mean, she was a good teacher, right? I mean, yeah. she gave him the instruction enough to be able to do the audition and, uh, and do well enough to get in. Um, because, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but without some direction on how to use it, it's it's going to be useless or sloppy, uh, at least. And also, everyone in the town just kind of has this... You know, when, when Billy's walking by this group of people like, oh, have you... Did you hear back from the school yet? And when he says no, they're like, ah, you're sure to get in. But then, you know, if he didn't get in, like, they'd all be like, ah, well, that sucks, Billy. That's just how things go. Like, as we've kind of well, been saying, no one in this town really wears their emotions yeah, on their sleeves
1: yeah, it's not until after the turning point at christmas though because up Correct. to then he's right. been hiding it yeah. and anytime like the piano player for the ballet class knows that billy's taking these classes and he's
2: and he calls him ridiculous or something
1: yeah something like that he's, he's ridiculous or or Foolish or something like that for him to to be taking it, and the some other people in town like almost catch him at it, and they have these suspicions you know billy's Billy's up to something and it might not be a hundred percent manly and
0: yeah you know, <laughs> that, that was a tagline for the movie, <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> that could be on the poster. Billy's up to something and it right. might not be a hundred percent manly, you know. <laughs> um so he's he's very furtive about it because these you know these guys are number one, it's a it's a very blue-collar town anyway, and conservative, and it's the eighties, and so you know, this is the way manhood has always been defined for them, but also they are clinging to their definite manhood very hard because they have lost one of the central pillars, which is providing for their Mm. family. Yes. So everything else about being a man becomes that much more important to them. Mm -hmm.
2: Uh, Even, you know, even when you, when they have that moment, when, when his dad runs into the, to the social club and is like, ah, Billy did it. Nobody cares because now like, you know, now they have to go back to work. The union caved. Maybe this little thing that brought them some joy in their lives uh, now doesn't matter because because uh,
0: of the strike ending. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the strike because this is one of those strikes that, I, you know, as was said at the beginning of our discussion, it went on for a very long time. This is the kind of strike where you have a very select group of, uh, workers that are willing to cave and go back to work and they have to, you know, bust them in from an offsite premise and bring them in. While all the picketers are attacking the bus. This is a very serious, long, uh, picket and a long strike. And there's futility to it throughout the entire movie. And, uh, it really hits home in the scene that David described as being emotional for him. And I think emotional for everybody that sees this movie, which is Jackie, uh, who is Billy's father, uh, when Jackie Elliott goes back to work because he goes and he breaks ranks with all of his friends and well, his and family, his 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 younger son. The, to point out real quick, son.
1: this isn't going back to work at the end of the strike. This is him actually, you know, going on to the bus, offsite right. to right. join the scabs to yeah. cross the picket line. Exactly To earn enough money so he's to crossing. send Billy to this school.
0: And there's amazing dialogue in this scene because he gets off the bus and his the older son chases him down and they have this really emotional scene where you know the father who has just now seen billy dance very dramatically in front of him uh beautiful scene uh he says you know we don't know if he's right angry dancing you know he says to his older son we don't know if he's a genius or not like we don't know if this is a prodigy and it doesn't it's just a, it's a really intense scene because he's fighting this pride of not wanting to break ranks with all the other union workers, and he's fighting this pride of wanting to be a providing father at the same time. And there's just a lot to unpack there, and it's a really beautiful, powerful scene. I just love it. Yeah. I think it's great.
2: Yeah, it is. and just to give some uh, context for what exactly this strike is about, is basically coal mining was on the decline for a few decades and was very near death, basically. And uh, they were fighting to try and keep jobs from disappearing, um, which ultimately did not work as, as was seen in that. Uh, so this is like this is someone who's not just he's not just crossing the line for his son he's crossing the line knowing that he's making enemies out of ev- everyone in this town. That, right, I and
1: mean, he's legitimately yeah, undermining the strike by going yeah. to work while the strike's going on.
2: He's choosing his family, his son, over,
0: uh, over the, the, his other son. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, his, yeah. I mean, his
2: other son, but also the thing that they all agreed to. They fought for a year for. Uh, the strike right. lasted almost an entire year, and he said, my son is more important than the strike.
0: And it's great, as David, you said in our docket here, it's nice to have a layered, realistic character for a father rather than a caricature, because he does go through a lot of ups and downs. You know, he goes from being the stereotypical, my son needs to do manly things, I'm a man, to essentially breaking down and and. Not necessarily apologizing to Sandra, but thanking Sandra for taking Billy under her wing, which was the most shocking scene to me with the father and uh, coming around full circle by the end of the movie to being this, you know, very supportive dad that's very excited about what his son is doing. And you get like snippets of where this is going when his father brings him to london to audition because you know he says i'm his dad i'm gonna take him i'm gonna get together the money to bring him there sandra offers it he doesn't take it and the father's kind of like moseying around the I royal the ballet school the dad and, just standing around the yeah school. and he's just kind of like he's yeah, kind of just no like finicking with, with the <laughs> yeah yeah, he's he's finicking with the with the pretty things on the, on the stairs, and he's you know looking at all the ballet dancers, and kind of, this is so foreign and different to him, and you can tell it's like the moment where he's wrapping his head around what what his son's future might look like, and uh, it's just a very layered performance on behalf of. Uh, I want to grab his name here because it was quite good. It's uh, Gary Lewis. Yeah, Gary Lewis. I Gary love he's currently the bit an Outlander. Where he's-
1: examining the the metalwork in the banister yes like professionally <laughs> yes. assessing yes. it
2: you know you know they told him like all right gary just um mill around and be bored i mean they may have just been like hey right like wait right here and then just set the cameras on and just let him you know be have however he normally would be bored yeah uh i i think a, a different movie would have had that scene happened where he dances for his dad in in the, the social club. And then, uh, the dad would have been like, Oh, now I see this is who my son is. And I can never love you. Uh, and a bigger rift comes between them. And then like Billy still, uh, uh, Mrs. Wilkinson still like ends up taking him, him to the thing. like it really strengthens their bond and she becomes that surrogate mother. And the last scene is like the dad reluctantly agrees to go see a son do ballet. And while he watches it, it's like, Oh, he finally gets it. And I'm glad we didn't get that movie because the relationship they develop in the latter half of this movie, I think is beautiful. And the way that the character that, that the father, his name is just dad in the credits and, uh,
0: is done just so like when, Well, they say they say Jackie Elliot throughout the whole thing. That's true.
2: I'm looking at IMDb and just has him listed as yeah. dad. Uh <laughs> yeah. the, the scene
0: on Christmas
2: when you know they they're dressed up, they have their little crowns on from the crackers, and they're eating their meal, and he just starts to cry. It's just so heartbreaking and awkward yeah. to watch. <laughs>
0: Right. And then he does, you know, we have this continued arc beyond that where this letter comes and it's, it's like the scenes you've seen or something you've lived where you're getting like a college acceptance letter or something like that. And it is essentially a school acceptance letter. It's him getting into the royal ballet, uh, school and the way the father plays it <laughs> where, uh, he, puts the letter on the table and the and, you know Billy finally comes home from wherever he's been at and and opens it up but, and and Billy goes and hides in the other room and you can just the there's an uncomfortable scene of a solid like a minute and a half which goes slow on film sometimes where Billy it's re- Billy's reading this letter in the other room and his father is anticipating the response expecting Billy Billy to come out right and tell them what has happened and Billy doesn't come out he stays in the room and eventually the dad just gets so antsy and well, so fed so up and he needs long. so
1: long. it goes on so
0: long and it's it's long. so beautifully acted though because the father then there's a breaking point he's like no I need to know what that letter says and he goes into the room and it's just it's acted so well and and that's really something i want to laud this movie for is that every performance in this is fantastic uh, it's it's a beautifully acted film and I did not know it was young Jamie Bell until like halfway through the movie. How could you yeah. not tell I was, just from the ears, man? That's- I know, I know, but I was looking at it and I'm like, it took me a really long time. And I was like, Oh, that's fantastic Four guy. And I feel like that's probably <laughs> that's not a good thing that Trump. that's where I recognized him from <laughs> that movie. <sighs> well, the, the three things I know him from are the fantastic Four. uh, Jumper, which is also not, not a particularly good movie, and Peter Jackson's King Kong. Oh <laughs> so I feel God. like I've actually, I feel like there's actually better movies in his filmography. I've heard Snowpiercer yeah, I was is quite say excellent. Say Snowpiercer much. Snowpiercer is
1: awesome, and Jamie Bell is really good in it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh I I was I didn't oh. even notice him, and it was so cool. It's so cool to see him so young and so good, right? Like, he, oh he is God. exceptional in this role. In right. fact, If I lived he actually, in Chicago,
1: I would, like, lock you in a room and tie you to a chair and force you to watch good movies for, like, three weeks straight just to kind of get you back on track. I watch you know?
0: lots of good movies. <laughs> it's just... It's sprinkled with dumpster fires. It's just (laughs) every once in a while you need a dumpster fire. My current dumpster fire
2: is the last season of Game of Thrones. We'll be over by the time this episode comes out. I feel fine standing by that statement.
0: Ugh, fit me IRL. Okay. Um, now Jamie Bell beat out Russell Crowe and gladiator for the lead actor award in the BAFTAs, which of course are British Oscars, essentially. Um, Wow. Uh, <laughs> I get it. It's, he beat out it's, Marcus Aurelius' thing. husband and, and she's and dead thing. wife. He
1: beat out Tom Hanks in Castaway.
0: Oh, wow. It's the now, British now, now I love. It's Come now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I, I love me some Gladiator and Russell Crowe. Um, I think it's one of Russell Crowe's best performances. I think 11-year-old Jamie Bell is better here. I'm going to stand by the Baftas. There, it's this is an a really- excellent
1: performance. There is there is not a moment. All right, maybe a moment, but <laughs> there is so little in this movie where you see him acting. And there are even yeah. there are a lot of scenes where you, as a viewer, are questioning. Like there are a lot of these solo dance sequences where you're not hundred percent sure if. Billy's actually dancing or if it's in his head and he's just sort of expressing his his anger and frustration or sadness or joy in movement because, you know, he's doing it. A lot of these dance sequences happen in front of people and yet nobody says anything about it later. Um, I don't know. It, you know, it's... Did you... Did you guys get the feeling one way or the other, whether those, well, wait, let me get, let me get back on the track where I was, which was that you don't see from him as an actor. You don't see him projecting this like, this is a fantasy or, you know, this is real. And I'm doing this in front of people and screw them if they can't take a joke. And he's
2: he, he's very he's grounded. Just
1: being. Yeah. He's no, extremely he's- grounded.
2: He's being Billy Elliot. I mean, he is. I just right. love that whenever we have good kid acting in a movie, everybody's like, "Oh, it's good kid acting," um, as if you know children are incapable <laughs> of being good actors. Uh, no, he does. He, I mean, he's a, he does a great job in this movie, and he, yeah, he is this character. This was his first acting role on right. film. He I'm had maybe,
1: been dancing before.
2: Yeah, um, it's just it's it's great. I mean, I think if you the the entire movie hinges on this character, right? If it's not, Mm -hmm. if you don't have someone good in that role, this whole movie falls away.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this is, so that brings me back around to the question I, I stumbled over, uh, which is, do you think that these solo, you know, I'm, I'm angry dancing, you know, I'm, I'm angry dancing on the outside (laughs) toilet um, or uh, over the wall or whatever. Is that, is that reality or is that just sort of a visual expression of what Billy is feeling?
2: I, I want
1: touch. To. you're not part of this podcast. It's a cat.
0: She's not just telling some poor person. Yeah, I don't know you can put <laughs> <that> it <up laughs> on strong a opinion. On the mic, but. Uh,
2: I, I think it's real. I, I want it to be real because <laughs> if it's, is it a musical <laughs> dancing movie? If there is no angry dancing, the answer is no.
0: Yeah, well, Footloose came out in '84, so I was kind of just drawing that parallel there. In um, the remake of Footloose, came like out Angry eventually.
1: Dancing, that did, that <laughs> eventually,
0: <didn't happen>. yeah, <laughs> that didn't. Happen. That was a that was a movie. Uh, but yeah, I I like to believe it is authentic and it is actually happening. And part of the reason for that is that Billy Elliot in this movie never does a great job of articulating his feelings um, verbally. Uh, he so he has a lot sense. of trouble, right? Right. Well, he has a lot of trouble talking with Sandra. He he blows up at his dad and never really has honest conversations with his dad about how he's feeling or about his mom being gone. His his brother's an ass, <laughs> and that's really all there is to that. And and you know, aside from aside from opening up, you know, to Michael in the scenes where we we get to visit their relationship a bit, he he's not he's just not very. Open about his feelings. And I get all of his feelings in this movie through his dancing. And that's how he explains it more or less the end, to yeah. the school at the end when he says, It's like electricity. It's like I'm burning inside and I need to get this out of me. And this is how I, you know, this is how he expresses yeah. himself. And that's when I learn the most about his character is when he's flipping out and kicking a. Porta a potty or whatever <laughs> well, and uh and it's it's a little weird but i'm here for it because it's also really moving in a in a strange way they they and i hope it's actually happening they ask
2: him uh you know what do you what what do you like about dancing Why got you interested in dancing his answer just like i don't know i, I like dancing
0: i don't it, until they until until he probes a little deeper right yeah. and it's the only time in the entire interview that he actually does so um and, and that and that, that, you know, that speaks to my point, is that he can't talk about himself. He can't talk about what got him interested in dancing. He can't talk about what inspires him, but he can talk about how dancing makes yeah. him feel when well, he really he, thinks about doing And he that. loses himself in it. So it does allow him to feel and express himself in
2: a way that he cannot.
1: Well, yeah, I mean right. that's another thing about the the idea of manliness in this town is that for goodness sake you don't ever talk about your no feelings. No feelings talk. Never, ever, right. ever. You know, you can lose yourself in drink. You can go have an affair. You can go get in a fist fight at the local pub, but you can't talk about your feelings. So you can break down crying in front of the fire at Christmas.
2: Well, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you know, in front of your family. You, you gotta cry in right. front of your family on Christmas. That's a good... Father, <laughs> yeah, there's do. a health, there's That's a healthy how
0: you dynamic. you have had a really good productive, <laughs> yeah. Christmas. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and by the way, as long as we're on the family in Christmas, I mentioned this to you guys in Slack when I was watching this movie. Oh, grandma, I thought for sure grandma was toast, <laughs> like, she <laughs> oh, is prime she hugs him at the
2: end. Oh.
0: no but she is like she is prime real estate for emotional (laughs) distress in the middle of the movie at an inopportune time oh grandma dies now we have to talk about our feelings
1: in this this Nana with in the early stages of dementia who's becoming forgetful and like wandering off now and then um doesn't remember her where her daughter's grave is from time to time that's Mm. that got me really sad Yeah, Um, yeah, but she does remember that she was almost a professional dancer.
0: Yeah, Yeah. uh,
1: that comes up over and over before she even knows that Billy dances.
0: Yeah, right. And uh, but she's—it's so easy to kill her and make and make emotions come out that way, and they don't do it, which I love. She she lives. Yeah,
1: I love that this movie never goes for the easy tear jerking.
2: Now the the one I feel bad for within really this movie is Debbie. Could not catch a break in dance yeah. class. Yeah.
0: yeah. So we have we have one discussion topic from Nicole in here. Where's Debbie's movie? She's also trapped in this town with a dad who's out of work, knowing much more than she ought to at her age. Yeah. Debbie's getting yelled at nonstop in class by her mom. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, right. that's the problem with taking classes from a parent is they're going to be harder on you <sighs> than they are on anybody else sure. to avoid looking like they're playing favorites.
0: Um, <laughs> they don't have sex anymore. Oh, man, you just know too much about your parents' life. Yeah,
1: she, know- yeah, she knows that they're not sleeping together well, anymore. She knows that her dad's having an affair.
0: She knows
1: or had an affair. Yeah. Um, she, you know, she knows that her mother's feels unfulfilled. I mean, these these, and things, she's like eleven, and well, she knows guess, all of this stuff.
2: I was going to say, like, their houses are like four rooms all jammed together, but they're like more middle class. They're right. like they have
1: slightly stuff. They have a a refrigerator that's always full.
2: Yeah, you know, they, she's
1: she's got a little less to worry about than Billy does.
2: Yeah, they are comfortable quote-unquote like yeah they're not they don't have to worry about where food's coming
0: from on christmas and stuff like that right it's also nice though in in regard to debbie and i would love to know more about her story it would also be easy emotional fuel slash gut punch at the end of the movie for him to be like marry the debbie or something like that i don't know or for or for them because
2: they, they they have this implied kid romance of like you know we're right exactly crush. right yeah. like we're young and we don't know how to navigate emotions or these developing sexual energies uh as she offers to do the whole i'll show you mine you show me yours bit uh right yeah and in a different movie would have had them developing this relationship and she chases after the bus at the end or some
0: crap right <laughs> chases after the bus Where
1: is you know and billy yeah, just- no instead it was his brother Brushes it off, but in a charming and nice way, it's so like nah, you're okay, yeah <laughs> you're okay <laughs> as you are. you don't have to do this this extra thing for me that you feel like you should do that's okay right. I, I will still like you if you don't do it, you're all right,
0: yeah. You know? <laughs> Yeah, now now, also, ode to the lone silent black guy in this movie, there's a black person in this <laughs> at movie. At the very end, Michael's
1: date. At the very end, Michael's date. Michael's oh, silent yeah. date Which, next to him at the ballet. <laughs> I will say
2: that character, I am glad they included because they were almost teetering into like, oh, if you're gay, that also means you like to cross-dress territory. Uh, and by having another gay person in the movie who you know was appearing very masculine in his appearance right. i was like okay cool they're not trying to say this is what being gay is it's just like right that's what it is for michael yeah I not, I not what it is for michael that's just it makes him comfortable to to present in this way
1: yeah i mean michael doesn't initially you know come out to billy as such he's just he opens the door when Billy knocks on it and he's wearing a dress and makeup you know Mm -hmm. and he says that he does it's his sister's dress and he does this when everybody's out and the dad his dad does it when he doesn't think anybody's looking um yeah and so but it's not I I am also glad that they don't portray it as this is the, the all gay people do this but I I thought about whether I was going to have an issue with it. But I mean, I, I know for a fact, I mean, I know some gay people where this is what they did. They really? liked yeah. to put on a dress when nobody was home and feel feminine and, and express their feminine side that way, Absolutely. you know, and they don't do it once they're grown because they find other ways to express these other, you know, softer feelings of theirs or, or what have mm-hmm. you. um, but, I mean, it was just, I had actually totally forgotten the character of Michael from the last time I saw this movie. I mean, I haven't seen this movie in probably something like 15 years. He's, so, I mean, you remember Billy, and he's a dancer in a town yeah. full of, you know, minors. And that's that's pretty much all you remember of the movie.
2: He's a little um, ancillary to the plot, but he's good. He for Billy, because it gives him uh, someone of his own age that he can talk to and open up to a little bit and relate his struggles to in a very uh, plain way, versus like him trying right. to talk to his brother about it, who's trying to start fights with the police.
0: Yeah, and you get a really sweet scene at the end, and and you know Nicole alluded to the scene at the end. Essentially, we skip forward. 10 15 years and probably about 10 it's years about, it's, at about at it's, it's
1: about 15 it's about 15 yeah the the actor is credited as billy at 25 yeah it's so.
0: okay so we skip forward about 15 years and there's an actor who is now successful in doing a big you know ballet and uh and there's just really it's a heartwarming scene where dad and, and brother are rushing from you know this town that they live in to hop on, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles to get to this, no planes, uh, trains, automobiles to get to this, uh, to get to this performance of, you know, Billy's. Swan Lake. And they finally, yes, Swan Lake, and they finally sit down and there is... Is is Michael, and obviously they haven't seen Michael in some time because why would they? They had only ever seen Michael through Billy, and Billy hadn't been around, and uh, and Michael obviously looks totally different, and they don't even no recognize no, Michael. no 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 and, no no uh, no no
1: no no. I take issue with that. They found an actor who looked almost exactly like the kid mm-hmm. who played Michael. I thought that was actually yeah. pretty amazing, considering no, they, they that they the guy did, they mean, found
0: like...
1: to be older. Billy looks. Nothing like Jamie Bell other than that he's a woman. No, white but what guy. I mean by
0: that, yeah.
1: um, right.
0: <laughs> right, but what I mean by that is that they sat it's not like they sat down and they're like, Oh hi Michael, nice to well, see you. Probably also it's like they had not seen this kid in a while. Was, Michael probably left that town as soon as he could.
1: Oh, it's, yeah. Right. I'm that's what I mean. Not,
0: not necessarily that he looks unrecognizable to him being a child, just that he was not present in their lives after Billy was gone. Right. And that's why it's shocking for them to see Michael and the son turns to the dad and nudges him and says, oh, my God, that's Michael. Well, uh, sure. I mean, uh, if and, I saw
1: one of my son's friends, you know, 15 years from now, it'd probably take me a couple minutes to recognize them and right. be like,
0: oh, exactly. That's what oh, I mean. Right. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, and it, but it's this great scene because everyone in the end is is there for you know Billy finally achieving this dream, and uh, and Michael says he wouldn't miss it for the world, and it's a sweet scene. It's a really nice way to end the movie. I like it. Mm. It's sappy, yeah. and I'll take it. Although
1: I still have you so, know, there's that. <laughs> it's a pet peeve of mine that they, the the actor slash dancer that they found to play the older Billy, you know, if you've got a an actor. You know, playing the the primary role, who has at least one very distinctive physical feature.
2: It's the ears.
1: Find it, yes. Find mm-hmm. an actor who has that feature as well. <laughs> you yeah. cannot miss Jamie Bell's ears, not for anything. Yeah, no, they are. Like the guy. They stick out, and they're red. You know, and that's just so sort of sure. how it is. And I don't think that makes him an unattractive man. I just no, think that that's, it's a distinctive feature. You can Absolutely. recognize that from a long way off. And the actor who plays the older Billy doesn't have it. And it's just a pet peeve of mine. And I had the same problem with Looper. <laughs> and I'm just like, Ugh. I
2: mean, it's like if you have, you have Adam Driver in a movie
0: and you're like, we need a young version of Adam Driver and you have a kid, you need with
1: a, somebody like, with big, big, sticky move. out ears yeah, and a larger nose.
0: Yeah right though I will say they nailed the parental casting because the father does have very similar ears uh very similar yeah
1: I
2: would have bought that so
0: yeah yeah though I think yeah the the kid who who, I mean the guy who plays him as a grown adult kind of looks like like a non strung out Macaulay Culkin but taller (laughs)
1: Interesting. Like, I don't know that i agree of, with that but that's interesting it's kind of the vibe I got uh, well, um,
0: so he was
2: also uh, just interesting little bit of fun fact because what they're seeing at the end is Swan Lake but it's uh, specifically Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake which is a contemporary dance production and the actor or, uh, Adam Cooper uh, who plays Bi- older Billy uh, was he created the lead role of the swan-slash-stranger in Matthew Bourne's uh, production of Swan Lake. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, so they just cast a dude that was already doing Uh, it, basically. More or less, yes. Okay. Uh, So, a couple other discussion topics. Uh, It's a movie perfectly suited for the era in which it was made. This is from David. Can you kind of elaborate on what you mean by that? Yeah, so uh,
2: I think I maybe felt that a little bit less by the end of the movie, because I think I'd added that kind of halfway in, where it has its heartwarming moments and the stuff that it deals with I feel like you know if it came out today, it wouldn't be as praised for having dealt with it. You know, like dealing with the the toxic masculinity stuff was really big and kind of progressive in the in the two you know early two thousands late nineties when this came out. I th- my the uh, the thing I was thinking of was like Green Book, right? Where Green Book yeah. everybody looks at Green Book and is like, ah, oh, that's a great movie from nineteen ninety five. That's tone deaf. <laughs> yeah. Where I feel like if. um if billy elliot came out today we would kind of have that same feeling of like this would be a really great early 2000s movie and it's a really great early 2000s movie uh
0: i just don't think it- that's a good thing though right? right like like that that's good that we're recognizing our art and particularly our cultural uh you know i think it- the way we experience our culture within our art as aging right like i love I love Philadelphia. I think it's a beautiful movie. It has not aged well. Right. Oh, I, there, I don't know. I haven't watched some, that in an
1: age. Talk about a movie where
0: there is I some cried my eyeballs out at the end. There is some hobophobia in there that... Like the style in which they 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 outlined Denzel's homophobia is like, oh it's, how it's from on nineteen ninety three of you. It sounded for a second
2: like you just said hobophobia. And I'm like, that's a way different <laughs> situation we're <laughs> dealing with here.
1: Uh, uh, this guy's got a serious bias against yeah. the unhoused population of exactly. America. <laughs>
2: exactly. just the stuff that they're dealing with was so perfectly suited for the era in which it came out, and not in a bad way. And not to say this movie yeah, has aged poorly, that. not at all. I think it's aged yeah. perfectly well. It it still st- it still looks good. It's well acted.
1: Right. It's, it's helped by the fact that it it itself is a period movie. Yes. It was made in two thousand, sure. but it's about nineteen eighty four.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I just can't stress enough. I mentioned this earlier, but if you read the synopsis and it's like. A kid lives in an English mining town in the 80s and all he wants to do is dance and all you want to do is sleep. Um, No, I was shocked. I was really shocked by this. So if you're like me and that sounded like a snooze fest to you, pleasantly, it's not. Um, It was quite quite good. Now let's talk about the music. This is (sighs) something I've been waiting for. I, I put it to the end because it's not really relevant to the plot. But first of all, whoever... Yeah, well, kind of it. Yeah, actually it is. And I actually put something in here that was kind of related to that. In any case, uh, the glam rock and punk rock selections for a soundtrack, they're insanely awesome. I love them. Whoever curated the sound oh, for this movie was like really nailed it. Four or five T-Rex songs. T-Rex and I songs. love it oh, so yeah. much. Oh, yeah. And they have the clash in there. And, and I think the what's really great and I love about the soundtrack of this movie is, is I saw it like as a dichotomy between the classical nature of Billy's art and the nature of being rebellious because what he is doing. In his community, is rebelling from the norm of his community, and it seems weird to like be the rebel of like I just want to do ballet because like classical things are not considered rebellious, especially nowadays. But he is being very rebellious from this community, and he is causing strife. And that is exactly what glam rock is all about. That is what punk rock is all about. And when you have you know everything from London Calling to T Rex songs in this movie, it's really a perfect score that is opposite to the content of the movie but thematically so perfect and whoever you know took the time and also just period appropriate right um though t-rex was more late 70s in the 80s in any case oh, I, think uh, it, I mean culture diffuses you know right especially right in the, in the so, 80s yeah so they nailed it and, and i just couldn't get over that because it's not often that i see a soundtrack of a movie and i say wow the person who curated this absolutely nailed the the tone and the era and the thematic you know the themes. i was about to say thematic themes the the themes of this movie
1: every tarantino movie
0: yeah tarantino does a pretty good job of that uh where i was like i would buy that soundtrack i would buy this yeah tarantino's borderline like stop making projects because of songs right like what's the song in a (laughs) In um in Kill Bill, that he he would not make the film unless they let him use it.
1: Battle without honor, it. humanity.
2: That sounds like every song on his soundtracks. <laughs> I don't think there's any song <laughs> that he would give
0: up once he's curated it. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go down that rabbit hole while you're saying what you're about to say.
1: <laughs> yeah, he he loves the curation of of everything. I mean, he's he's the curator at the the New Beverly Cinema in L.A. Right?
2: I believe Isn't that so. his
1: yes. movie theater.
2: I believe so. Uh yeah. to to just slide back into the film, I think what Billy's doing in a way, yeah, it is his form of rebellion. It is his form of punk. Uh I got really worried that they were gonna be like, now we hear that you've uh you've prepared a, a piece to music or whatever.
1: Oh yeah.
2: turn on <laughs> T-Rex and I was gonna be like, no, right, you lost the me
1: clash. right at the
2: end Uh, because they have that, they have a really charming scene where he dances with Mrs. Wilkinson in the social club to, uh, to, I want a boogie. And it's a, a great little scene, but I I was so worried that's what they were going to do there. But instead it's him dancing to a classical piece. And, uh, that was great. Uh, so I just had a moment of like, this whole movie might just go down the drain for me right at the finish line.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah. I had flashbacks to flash dance. Uh, oh, yeah. The lead character <laughs> auditions to a ballet school using Irene Cara's flash Flashdance. What a feeling!
2: Oh, I wonder uh, Flashdance <laughs> on this podcast.
1: <laughs> so,
2: you did this to us, guys. One
1: day, <laughs> <laughs> one day. Oh, you know, excellent double feature would be Flashdance and the Full Monty. Ooh, and actually, Ooh. triple feature: Flashdance, the Full Monty, and then Billy Elliot. Because there the full monty is about a northern English mining town where the guys turn to dance to make money, uh, and they watch flash dance and make fun of like how bad of a welder she is.
0: Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> Has her I, so funny. So coming full circle here, I have now returned from my Google dive. Um, the the song that Kill Bill 2 has that Tarantino would not finish the movie without was Malcolm McLaren's About Her, um, which, funnily enough, is uh, Malcolm McLaren, for those unfamiliar, is the dude responsible for British punk because he got the Sex Pistols together and uh, and really pushed together God Save the Queen, which then... Catalyst it into much better punk. (laughs) But um, I'm not saying the Sex Pistols are good, but it is certainly a kickoff point. And uh, so, yeah, it goes full circle there. Um, But I really do love the music in this movie. And that's also why I think... Everything in this movie lends itself really well to a musical. Obviously, Sir Elton John noticed that because he got together with the screenwriter of this movie, made a musical called Billy, Billy Elliot, it's, and it ran in the West End for 11 years. It ended in 2016. It's perfect. It's perfect musical plot.
2: Yes. Uh, I, I'm curious yeah. what
0: they would add to pad out to
2: three hours. Uh, but yeah, I. I when when I heard this, this was a musical. I think I knew that even wasn't musical beforehand. But now seeing this movie, I'm like, yep, that makes sense. They would have made a stage musical out of this because there's lots of dancing in this.
0: Yep. God, I really I want to hear the songs though because the music, the music's by Elton, <laughs> so it's it, it's it's going to have a different flair, right, than the movie because maybe not that different because Elton's glam rock. But I'd just be fascinated to hear the soundtrack of this to be honest. A yeah,
1: little, little bit. But I mean, you know, the, the I I haven't seen musical. I haven't heard the soundtrack. But I mean Sir Elton is a versatile, versatile performer. I mean, I once heard oh, him yes. yeah, oh God, this was years ago. He was on Howard Stern, um, and they had written a song for him. And while they were writing it, they had in mind that it would be performed to the tune of don't let the sun go down on me. And rather than use these new lyrics that they wrote with a a song that he'd already written on the spot, he improvised a completely new tune and sang the lyrics that they gave him.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, so, you know,
1: he's, He's got a flair. Oh,
0: I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. Making
1: stuff at different genres. So uh,
0: who knows? Oh, Elton's amazing. And also, let's let's hope I'm not eating my words when this episode comes out in a couple weeks. Uh, Another tie-in is that Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, what's gosh, Jamie uh, Jamie. Jamie Bell is going to be playing Bernie Taupin in the upcoming movie oh, Rocket right. Man, which Bernie will be out by the time the this episode comes out. Longtime songwriter
1: for Elton John, he he wrote the the words to a lot of his most famous songs. God,
2: I hope that movie's Correct. good. Uh, oh, because,
1: God, I got my fingers uh, crossed. I mean, I it's going to be good. I'm, I'm just, watching I'm the trailers for it, and I get the same feeling as when I watched the trailers for Bohemian Rhapsody, which is like, oh, this movie could go so wrong. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I just want to I uh, just want to pull out a couple of highlights of uh, the musical numbers, some of their titles. Uh, "Angry Dance" is is on there. Uh, yes. That's great. Uh, well, what is if,
1: it? What is this from?
2: This is the this the Billy Elliot musical. Oh, okay. "Angry Dance." Uh, there's the yeah. letter, so they sing the the mom's letter. Uh, yeah. "Merry Christmas, Margaret Thatcher" or Maggie Thatcher, <laughs> uh, which I uh, that one sounds pretty amusing. Uh, grandma's got a song I like born the boogie Bo- uh, born the boogie is one of them as well and then uh, i really like that electricity is a song so apparently when he talks about
0: what it's like to dance he doesn't talk about what
2: it he sings about it
0: so electricity oddly enough is the only song on the soundtrack uh because i, I should actually specify as i've been reading this wikipedia while podcasting what that elton wrote the music about? and A lyricist wrote wrote the lyrics, so we don't. This is not Elton lyricism; it is Elton music, which honestly is probably probably the best Elton. And uh, "Electricity" is actually a song that um, Elton then put out on his own as as a single, and it charted quite well. So Lee Hall, the guy, go check it out. The screenwriter for this movie wrote the lyrics, so that's nice. There's some consistency there. That's cool right on well if you live in what is sao paulo it's brazil if you live paulo? in brazil it it looks like it sao might paulo, be in your neck of the woods the
1: capital of
0: brazil yeah jeez buddy <laughs> that's not I'm, i was trying it's that rio that's no. only Brazil's. Rio de Janeiro is not the capital. Of Brazil. <laughs> <We're> just Rio. <laughs> okay, Ooh. it's like the Vegas hotel, right? Okay, um, understood. <laughs> well, guys, I think we've had a great episode for Billy Elliot. If you want to check this movie out, you most certainly can because guess what? It's on Netflix. That's why we watched it, and it actually looks like it was a recent edition. to Netflix came out in February of this year on the platform. Yes, so you can. <laughs> catch it while you can. You never know when your content overlords are going to take it away from you, mm. but let's go around the table and see where we can find everybody else on lo- actually, no back up. Did everyone enjoy this movie? Was it <laughs> oh, fun? Yeah, is absolutely. it something that, is it something that you'd return to? Cause I totally would. Yes. hundred percent. Nicole. Uh,
1: well, first I need to correct myself. The federal capital of Brazil is Brasilia. Um, but I believe Sao Paulo is the provincial capital. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, you can find me taking care of our Facebook. Page. I l- wait,
2: would you watch this movie? I again. God, I'm tired. Movie?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had seen this movie before. Uh, I watched it yesterday on my phone because my phone, uh, works well with the Netflix feature that lets you download certain films and watch them offline. Thankfully. So I could watch them, watch it on my commute. um, and I didn't have to worry about, like, random animated boobs like I did when I watched Heavy Metal on my phone on my commute <laughs> yeah. ages ago. Um,
0: yeah, never It was forget. just the
1: naughty words that I had to worry about, and I was not so concerned about that. So I got to watch it again, and even on my phone, I really got involved with it, and I enjoyed it. And I was so delighted to discover that it was not the sappy, emotionally manipulative film that I was afraid it was. It, it really works very hard to not be that. Uh, and Jamie Bell gives a tremendous performance for a kid who was playing 11. I think he was like 13 at the time that they shot it. Um, and I would definitely recommend it to everybody.
0: Absolutely. Now, and I also do want to mention, you mentioned the uh, the subtitles and the naughty words. I rented this on Amazon because my phone just does not like Netflix for some reason or vice versa. And uh, and I had to watch this on my phone as well. And the one on uh, Amazon just replaces all of the cuss words with really interesting replacements in the subtitles. Like the F word gets changed to flame. So they'd be like, what the flame are you talking about? And then wow. uh piss off gets changed in the shove-off. That one made more sense. There's some really interesting stuff in there <laughs> if you watch the Amazon version. But now now, Nicole, you you do our Facebook page, right?
1: I do. I do. And it's at Facebook.com slash movie go round podcast. And you can find me there. I put up every new episode. I put up our polls for uh, the You Did This To Us, where every five weeks, you guys get to pick what we watch. And sometimes it's wonderful, like what we do in the shadows. And sometimes it's hideous, like the Emoji, the emoji movie. movie. And <laughs> that's our show <laughs> now. And no, you can't pick the same movie again. So please stop trying. We will just dump those votes. Um. So yeah, so that's the best place to contact us uh brett will give you some other places you can contact us but you can also find me on uh letterboxd under nicole underscore davis
0: that's right what about you david uh, you can find me
2: on the broke mountain podcast along with phil rude and you can also find me around the internet under the username davluz that is d-a-v-l-u-z so twitter and instagram you can find me there
0: Very good. If you'd like to find all these links that we're dropping, as Nicole mentioned, I do have another place for you, and it is social.mgrpodcast.com. If you want to head on over there, you're going to have your opportunity to see a lot of cool stuff, both on our Twitter and our Facebook. You can rate the show on iTunes and Stitcher, particularly iTunes. That really does help us. We want to get more people in this community, as always. You can find me personally, on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. If you have thoughts about anything that we have watched, of course you could connect with us on social, but maybe you're old fashioned and you just want to email us. We would love to email you back and read it on the show. Hi at Mgrpodcast.com is where you can get a hold of us there. Next week is going to be Spider-Man into the spider verse. This is a 20. They come out last year, 2018. Yeah. 2018. I am ordering it as we speak. I was just about to say, I am on Amazon's page for the Blu-ray, because this is one I want to own. And it's only $27 in 4K, if only I owned a 4K TV. If you do out there, $27, well spent. We'll see you next week watching that movie. Talk to you then.